Hello, friends, and welcome back to another week of the Invictus podcast. We have a very special guest for this episode, a good friend of mine, and actually a teacher of mine from high school, too, Kieran Block. Kieran is a Canadian national level sledge hockey player, a alumni of the Medicine Hat Tigers and Vancouver Giants of the WHL, and also the U of A Golden Bears. So, quite obviously, this talk starts off with a little bit of hockey, to say the least. In 2007, he was involved in a catastrophic cliff jumping accident that saw him have to completely rebuild his leg. It was completely shattered in the accident and relearn everything from walking to playing the sport that he loves. Now, 12 years later, he's actually played in the senior AAA league with the Stony Plain Eagles and has finished it off his hockey career playing against some ex-NHL players which is incredible for somebody that has gone through what he has gone through. Throughout the process of recovery, he has co-authored a book about his accident and recovery called The Ups and Downs of Almost Dying. It's an incredible book. I'm already 150 pages into it and would highly recommend it to anyone that is interested in a super deep read. We start off talking about the process of writing the book, of getting into it and releasing it out into the world. We talk about his teaching career. We talk about how he's actually just got back from South America in which he climbed Machu Picchu, which is crazy to think about after all that he has been through. And we go into the mentality that is needed to overcome such a dire circumstance. We actually recorded this episode at a restaurant, so there's a little bit of ambient sound, but that just adds character to the track. So I invite you to listen to this episode. It is a very fun one, and I will absolutely have him again on the show. Please welcome our guest for the week, Kieran Block. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place Even your emotions have an echo in so much space And when you're out there without care Yeah, I was out of touch But it wasn't because I didn't know enough I just knew too much Basically, like he just started writing questions. I just started answering them. Yeah. Um, from that, we would either get more questions, we get we get stories, we get concepts and ideas, mm -hmm. and we started like chunking things together. Yep. And then we'd from a story, there'd be another question that would lead into more of a rounded idea. Sure. And then we started chunking those together, getting basically paragraphs together, and then yeah, he. Uh, like, he, very creative, very creative guy. And I told him, I'm like, I want you to write the story. Like, I don't... Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, you need to do this, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> we'll collaborate. But Yeah. So he tells a lot of stories about ideas. Yeah. From, like, as Canadians, how we... We tell distance as time. Right. Yeah. So if you were to say, like, 
how far is Calgary? I would never say 270 kilometers. I'd three, say three, three hours. hours. Yeah. So we just used like concepts like that to share what it was like when I would be trying to walk. That's so cool. Downstairs to my basement. Yeah. And I like we use an example like I'm holding a bowl of craft dinner. Yeah. And I realize I forgot the ketchup and it's like too late. Like <laughs> so just things like that. Yeah. This cover is amazing too. Yeah. Who so, did the artwork? A company in Montreal. Okay. So even like for this, for example, they gave us a questionnaire mm -hmm. that was four pages long. Like wow. I'm just like so I get it and I'm like and I know these guys are creative and everything, so I'm yep. like, how, uh, it's like, well, if your book was a guest at a dinner party, mm -hmm. what, what would he be like? <laughs> it's like, just like some Super really fun, open, open, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you're, yeah, if you were to go on vacation with your book, like, where would he go and stuff? Like, just like wow. stuff like that where you're, okay. you're like, how do I even answer this? You know, it's, <laughs> so, uh. Through that, we also picked literally probably 50 different covers, showed them ideas of like what we liked, mm -hmm. and then they put concepts together and started showing us different ideas, different sort of maps. Yep. And then the last part was they gave us basically, because they had, where my guy was writing, was with these guys in a shared office space. Right. So he started taking um, and sharing the book with them so they knew a lot of stuff. So they took all these different pieces from the story, put them on a list and said, okay, pick which ones you want. Yeah. And then so like some of the flowers and stuff are there because they're aesthetically pleasing, but mm -hmm. each little piece in the side the cover is something from a chapter in the book. In the book. Yeah. That's so cool. So like this is a saffron. Yep. Which we literally talk about the spices. Yep. So just these little orange things here. Mm -hmm. But again, the, the flower is aesthetically pleasing, so we put the whole flower in. Wow. This is the opium poppy. There's maggots. Horseshoe. Screw whistle. Surgical gauze. Yep. Turmeric root. Yep. It's a loony and a quarter. Like flamingo feathers. Yep. My cat. Hockey helmet, obviously. Poker yeah, chips. Yeah. You're gonna um, get beaked for using the uh, the cage on the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We the the idea though is that we could have stuff coming in and out of it. That's awesome. And otherwise, yeah. yeah, I know. I was because I actually sent them a picture of my helmet. Right. And they were like, yeah. I was like. I, I kind of actually mentioned that, but they <laughs> they said they're like, yeah, because we can have stuff coming in and out. Yeah. Then my broken tip, more screws and everything, and then IV, and then that's my uh, that's the rope that lifted me from the helicopter. Oh wow! That's and so uh, cool. I even feel like I'm I'm missing a couple things. Yeah, it's very intricate this cover. So the book that we're talking about is the ups and downs of almost dying. Yeah. Which is we call it a memoir I guess or yeah yeah uh, about I, everything that happened and where does it start does it start with like the WHL days uh, or hockey or no it starts we we figured we'd get uh, <laughs> we just get right into it so yeah. it starts with the accident okay and it's so it's a pretty intense probably 
first two, three chapters. Nice. Kind of knock it out and get then, the attention. Right? Yeah, yeah. Grab attention. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just from when I go and give speeches and stuff, mm-hmm. I know that the accident is a big moment in right. my story. Yeah. And a lot of people, you, you kind of stay up for it, and your energy's high. And so we thought with the book, we would start with that, so people could relax and read the book. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, otherwise you're sort of waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, no kidding. And yeah, when you're reading a book and you're like like anxiously waiting, yeah, yeah, we we figured it would just be sort of better to to knock it out. And, Super interesting. Yeah. So I'm gonna butcher your profile here for a second because yeah. I looked up hockey DB on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a Vancouver Giants, yeah, Medicine Hat Tigers alumni, yeah. and also played at the U of A Golden yeah. Bears. Uh, where'd you play like? Junior, or not junior, but like midget. Yeah, uh, uh, so I played with CAC, okay. so in the West End, yeah. There you CAC go. boy, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then White Mud West, so I, I started White Mud West. So West End, Edmonton. West, yeah, West End, West and Edmonton. Yeah. And uh, you yeah, I went to CAC, played my Bantam, went to the Western League, came back. Yeah. Played half a year in midget, went back to the Western League. And then was there until I was in university. Right. Um, and then, yeah, broke my legs after my first year. Yep. Retrained to play with the Bears, but never did. Yep. Went into sledge hockey, played with the national team for six years. Yep. Left sledge hockey, went into stand-up hockey with the senior AAA uh, Stony Plain Eagles. Yeah. And then played two years, and then, uh, yeah, I just... Called her a career after that. <laughs> Called play, her a career. Playing that's a, a little bit of men's career. league. That's a, that's a pretty solid career. <laughs> but uh, and some shinny just for fun. But yeah, yeah. But hockey's been a big part of your life for as long as you can remember, pretty much. Eh? Yeah, I've had uh, hockey as far as I can remember. I think I was four or five years old when I first started playing. Got uh, warts really bad on my feet my very first year, <laughs> so I actually missed a year of hockey. My first year of hockey. Yeah, but. Otherwise, the only time I ever really had off was when I broke my legs. Yeah. And otherwise, I've kind of been in the ring September to April. and Yeah, most definitely. Played golf a little bit in the summer, yeah, but not yeah. very much. <laughs> no, it became a, a year-round sport for me when I was probably about like 10 years old. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, yeah. it's in Canada, it's a, it's a year-round sport. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a winter sport. It's a... You play summer hockey, or you might even be playing like ball hockey or inline or whatever. And it's yeah. just, yeah, yeah, it's some variation of hockey yeah. between yeah, roller hockey, ball hockey, street hockey with mm. with buddies, and yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I love the sport. It's it's something that I I know will be a big part of my life for my whole life. And yeah, uh, when I broke my legs, I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to play hockey anymore and absolutely and that's where sledge hockey gave me that uh, second win and yeah gave me a little bit of a boost and and show me that yeah even if I can't play the stand-up game yeah I can still play and fortunately I was able to get back to the stand-up game anyways so yeah well when everything happened with me you actually invited me out to come play yeah. some sledge and I was like ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in like a pretty dire situation right now but I mean like when everything I've still thought about it for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely a, I don't know. It's a thought that keeps coming back. So, and well, I do miss being on the ice for sure. Yeah. So, and, and now I'm uh, this year I'll be coaching a, a recreation team. So I've coached the provincial team for okay. a few years, uh, with the sledge hockey, and 
I'm going to coach, yeah, just a rec, rec team. Uh, at least my approach going in is that a uh, little less intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we want to develop and we want to have success on the ice, but that's not the be-all, end-all. Where right. uh, I think in the past it's it's been that focus. So if you're still interested, I mean, yeah. get you out for a little trial. But uh, it'd be very interesting to go watch it. And like, I mean, I've watched the, the Paralympics and all yeah. that, and I mean, those guys are unbelievable, yeah. right? Like, just still sniping the top right corner. Oh and, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, one one thing I've learned, especially over my time, is it takes time. So as soon as you hear somebody's either with cancer, paralyzed, whatever, they have some kind of injury, Yeah, you want to jump on them right away because you want to get them involved. You want to plant the seed. Yeah, sledge hockey before <laughs> they go to wheelchair basketball or ah, some other sport. Okay, yeah. And uh, especially hockey players. Yeah. And it takes time. It just takes time because you got to realize that Things are different. Yeah. Um, I know with another guy, he he got paralyzed and uh, played in the Western Hockey League. And yep. I had people messaging me, yep. saying, uh, "You got to get him out in a sled. You got to get him out in a sled." So I messaged him. Right. And yeah, kind of right away, he was like, uh, "I'm not." Basically, yeah. without saying it in so many words, yeah. he's like, "I'm not ready." Yeah. And I was like, "No problem." I said when you are like let me know and yeah and so yeah people were like is he coming out is he coming out I'm like he needs some time because like, <laughs> I, I didn't even know until I was talking with him right like so when when did you get paralyzed and yeah it's like like a month ago and mm. I'm like oh <laughs> okay I'm like well let's just take a step back here yeah, yeah yeah and and so sometimes it can it can happen quite quick but yeah yeah I mean you never know what your prognosis is going to be too right like yeah. for me I mean walking like, you know, not not sprinting or anything, not running yeah. a five-second, hundred-meter or whatever, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, uh, that, that sounded wrong. Five-second, hundred-meter, that would be... <laughs> that'd some, be pretty quick. That'd be some record-setting <laughs> shit, for sure. No, um, you, you know, though, like, I, I think that, um, for me, it was kind of like, do I... Thank you so much. Thanks. There you go, I'll be right back Thank you. For everybody listening, we're actually eating breakfast at Zesty's <laughs> on the west end of Edmonton here. So come check it out. Kieran yeah. suggested it to me, and it was we're getting some amazing service here while we're doing the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> totally check it out. It's a great place. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, what was I saying? For me, it was kind of like I don't know if I want to accept it. Yeah. And that was um, if I if I really look back and kind of evaluate it, it was kind of like yeah, it's like I don't know if I want to accept it, and I wouldn't say it was giving into it or something, but you know, you kind of want to live in dream world as long as you possibly can, I suppose. So yeah, I, I actually started referencing the five stages of grief when I speak because I was in denial, yep, which was the first stage. Mm-hmm. I was depressed. I was bargaining. Right. Um, I would bargain with the nurses. I'd bargain with myself. Mm-hmm. Bargain with God. I would just bargain. Yeah. And uh, that was really difficult. And I was angry. Right. And I wouldn't really display that anger towards everyone. Mm-hmm. It would sort of come and go. 
And I would say it probably took me probably about a good three to five years before I actually accepted huh. that I was disabled, that I was right. changed. Um, I remember laying in, in the hospital bed, looking at my mangled leg, watching it move just like fractions of, of inches, mm-hmm. thinking, oh yeah, like I'll get better. Right. This is just like a broken bone. I've broken lots of bones and sports and whatever. Yeah. I'll be fine. Right. And deep down, I knew that I was changed and it was different, but mm-hmm. I kept telling myself out loud that I was going to be okay and right. started to believe it. Mm-hmm. So the, it just made things more difficult in my life. Uh, that's where the depression really set in. Yep. Uh, the anger... That's why I was bargaining. I, I actually, I don't know if you experienced this. I try to change time, hmm. so I would lay in my bed when I was in the hospital, and I would close my eyes, and I was determined to go back in time hmm. and change that moment. And I tried, hmm. uh, obviously, yeah, <laughs> unsuccessfully, yeah, um, yeah, but but just like that was some of the stuff that was going through, and I imagine, yeah, right. just as you, uh, yeah, experience life-changing events like this yep it's I would say it's a bit of a defense that your brain tells yourself that nothing's really changed right would you say that that probably helped you to overcome everything though because you kind of you didn't accept it you came you kept working yeah I think the the fine line came in where I I did accept that I was disabled, right? But I accepted that my disability doesn't define me. Hmm. So, being able-bodied, looking at somebody that's disabled, you see the wheelchair, you see the crutches, sure. you see the lo- loss of leg, yeah, or loss of two legs. You don't see the the active disabled person because you're usually not participating with them, right? You don't see the like them sort of just like on a day to day putting on you know their pants one leg at a time or whatever. Just like everybody else. Just like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get these ideas of of who these people are, mm-hmm. and they're, in my opinion, completely wrong. <laughs> yep. I was so wrong, and that's when I, I I had a friend Matt Cook who lost a leg to cancer. Yeah, I was battling cancer, and he wasn't disabled yeah as much as he was disabled yeah and when I met him I was like oh like you'd never even know that he had a prosthetic arm wow you'd never know that that when I reconnected with him in our adult life that he was battling cancer I I had no idea yeah until I was actually told and I was like okay well if this guy can do this I'm like surely I can do the same thing and yeah and uh, so I accepted that I was disabled, but I also accepted that I could be in control of what that meant. Right. And that I didn't have to sit at home and watch TV because that's the only thing I was capable of doing. (laughs) And it was kind of a crazy realization after I sort of connected with Matt that I realized, yeah, this doesn't change anything. Right. It just means I'm going to do things a little different. And so when I see you doing literally the exact same thing, it's cool to... Yeah. To see just how it's almost a state of mind, right? It, exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, well, 
this is how it is, but it doesn't mean that I have to stop doing what I really enjoy in yeah. life or whatever. Um, I mean, it, it's just different. Like I'll, I'll just do it differently if, yeah. if that's what it takes. Right. And adaptive sports is massive for that, for sure. Cause yeah. I mean, um, I'm sure that, um, I mean, a lot of the guys, some of them are born with, without the ability to walk or whatever it is. But yeah. I mean, a lot of them too, they lose the ability later in life and they were hockey players or they're basketball players or they yeah. were whatever rugby players. Um, and it gives them the ability to kind of go back and, you know, do, do what they really love. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like a, a rehabilitative thing as much as it is a, a sport. Um, so, well, how I say it for me, when I got into disability sports and started hanging out with the sledge hockey team and, mm-hmm. and other people with disabilities, it wasn't the sport that helped me. It wasn't the like the, the atmos- <laughs> It was it was the atmosphere of being in a room, yeah. like-minded people yeah. that have all faced adversity and realizing one, I'm not alone because mm-hmm. I, I felt alone when I first broke my legs. Absolutely, it's like no one gets me, no one understands this. Yeah, and, and it it was like having a big support circle yeah it's like a brotherhood around yeah. it right. so very similar to the, the stand up game of hockey where you have your your team and it's it's more than just a team it's it's a community mm-hmm. I just felt like I was connected to people again and realizing that what I was experiencing really wasn't that bad relatively speaking yeah perspective is yeah. definitely a thing for sure <laughs> and uh, and then just having yeah the other people to connect to to have the conversation with and and just say, you know, this sucks when this happens, hey? And you're like, mm. yeah. And having that common ground, that was really what, that's what supported me. That's what really started to change yeah. things around. Yeah. Um, there's a boy I played with. I think he's got to be about 19, 20 now, but he was about 15 or so when we started. Progressive yeah. MS. And Wow. He'd get lifted in his chair. He would go out there and he was smiling and he was having a blast. And I mean, at the time when I was walking about, you know, 0.1 kilometer every four hours, yeah, I was moving faster than him on the ice. Yeah, and he had a smile ear to ear when he was out in the ice, and it was like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. enough of this self pity. Yeah, you know, feeling sorry for myself, like. I mean, really, to be blunt, like, he couldn't even wipe his own ass. Yeah. And he's 15 years old, and he's just having the time of his life out there, and I was like, okay. Hmm. So just that, that perspective of, I'm re- I drove in, carried my bag basically over my shoulder, right. got myself dressed, and went on the ice, and yeah. I was like, okay, time to really switch the focus here. And So much. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I always kind of liken it to, like, when I was in the hospital, you see, because I was in the neuro ward, so I got to see every extent of spinal cord injury or uh, MS or uh, Lou Gehrig's or whatever, right? And you're just, yeah. you're like, well, I'm literally in probably the best situation of any of these people, um, even though it's life-changing or whatever, but when you look around and I mean, these people are just like you and I mean, yep. 
might never use their arms again, legs again, whatever it is. And yeah. you're, I don't know, it gives you this perspective that you're just like, I, I'm in a bad spot, but it's not that bad, right? Yeah. And I think that's super important to continually remember. So, um, switching gears here just for a second, because yep. obviously some of the people that are going to be listening to this, they know you, mm-hmm. they're, they're buddies of both of ours and everything, yep. but tell everybody what happened to you, I guess, and yeah, the injury, the, the whole story. For sure. I mean, go buy his book too. <laughs> yeah, read, absolutely. Read it, and, but yeah. Uh, so... It was August 6, 2007. Mm-hmm. I went cliff jumping with some friends and we decided we were going to go out to Horseshoe Lake. Found. Uh, in Jasper? Yeah, in Jasper, Alberta. Okay. Yeah, it's about a uh, 10, 15 minute drive. Yeah. I want to say west, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. Um, find this lake, kind of go check it out. It's gorgeous. It's known for cliff jumping. And. We go out and, um, you know, find our first spot with some girls and they kind of went off to do their thing and Mm -hmm. me and my buddy started jumping and so, um, first jump was, was successful. Uh, it was probably about 10 feet up, like nothing crazy. You're jumping into water, obviously. Jumping into water, yeah, (laughs) into the lake, yeah. Yeah, it's not like he has a death wish or anything, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then from there decided we wanted something a little higher a little better sure so found another spot probably about 20 feet up or so okay jumped and everything was great uh again we're really mapping things out we were trying to be safe yeah because you can go there there's you know 60 to 100 foot cliffs that you can jump off of and we're like no no we're gonna stay (laughs) in the safe area yeah um so, actually, when I when I speak, I'll usually tell it on my third jump, but it was it was my my fourth. So, okay. uh, found another spot a little higher up, and we we're like, okay, this is the spot. We're gonna stay here for a little while. It was yep. perfect, uh, nice high. Uh, it was about about ten meters, eight to ten meters. Okay. And uh, jump off. That was the first one, so I jump in, and I'm swimming around. I try to actually get up fairly close by. Realize that I'd have to like climb up the side of the cliff so I get back in the water I swim around and as that's happening my friend jumps in after me yeah so I find this kind of like this little staircase walk myself back up okay and I'm talking to him in the water as I make my way back <clears throat> so I get to the spot stand in there I back up and I yell at him I'm like Kate get out of the way I'm coming and he goes wait and I, in my head as a 22 year old male I'm thinking like yeah he just wants me to wait so I'm not doubling up his jumps and sure. getting, you know, two, three, four more jumps ahead of him. Yeah. And he starts, yeah, yelling at me to wait. And I'm like, no, I'm not mm-hmm. waiting. And mm-hmm. so I run and I jump. And as soon as I put my foot on the ledge, uh-huh. uh, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I looked down, wasn't in the right spot. <laughs> I was about, uh, actually, I was only about maybe 10 steps away like I was really close and the landscape there is so similar right so here I am suspended in air looking down at the at the rocks not the water yeah and I yell out oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you can put the the other word <laughs> together with uh, what I was looking at and yep. 
and then I, I, I mean, I just started falling, and as I fell, it was, I, I really do want to break down that time because it, it was maybe three to four seconds. Sure. But it felt like an eternity. Mm. Um, my first second, it was sort of realizing that I was going to hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, my second second was time freezing. I, I always say like interstellar when he goes to the dimension of time and he's sitting there. <laughs> it was sort of like that where time just froze. Yeah. I was opening up the book of my life, looking in the future, Going looking in the past, looking in the present. And, yeah. And then I had... Uh, I had an angel looking out for me that day, I always say, because I had this overwhelming sense of relief and calm, and it was like somebody just said, everything's going to be okay, yeah. and then I came crashing into the rocks, and um, the way I landed was perfect. So I As I, perfect as it could be. As perfect as it could be. <laughs> yeah. um, I landed basically at the edge of the water, Yep. so when I hit the rocks... I went back, I hit my head on a log instead of a rock, so basically preventing, like I could have been seriously... Yeah. Brain injury. Yeah, yeah, brain injury. Yeah. Uh, seriously injured with, uh, yeah, some head trauma, mm -hmm. but I had a couple cuts, nothing major. Yep. Um, I mean, I shattered my right leg, which is pretty intense, but uh, no like real back injuries, no right. problems with my knees, mm -hmm. I broke my left foot and heel, and then when I landed... I was actually able to put my feet in the water, huh. so that's how close I was. But I, the rest of my body was out of the water, Oh man! so I could actually keep my feet in the water like an ice bath, yeah. which really kept my leg on. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I would have lost circulation, and they would have had to amputate. amputate. Oh, wow. And it was really close when I got to the hospital. They found, I mean, a, a millimeter of feeling in my foot, so they decided to do a fasciotomy where they, they cut down the sides of your legs so the muscle can, can breathe. Yeah. And otherwise, uh, it would have been, uh, yeah, I would have just been sitting there with a, an amputation right off the bat. Yeah. And so it was uh, <laughs> pre pretty lucky spot to, to land in. As yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Thank you very much. Thanks. As difficult as uh, it was in... Um, and then the, the really the, the the tough part was I had to wait for about three to three and a half hours in the rocks. Yep. Because I was I think the third or fourth injury of the day. Right. You were telling me this. Yeah. 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 So all the I think it was all the stars were being utilized already. So they had to get yep. a helicopter from Golden BC. Yeah. To come in. While I was there, I had uh, two firefighters. <laughs> that were just on a canoe trip pull up and they're like, are you okay? Like, do you need anything? Yeah. Um, the, the people that were in the lake came running because they heard a loud pop, which was my leg. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it was good because they threw down some sweaters and stuff like that that they literally just had on their body. So yeah. thank you to them. Uh, yeah, if you're listening. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, I was grateful because it just, I mean, we were basically sitting in the water and uh, and I actually, like, it was real life. I didn't know I was going to make it out of there. Yeah. Um, they kept saying, you know, people are coming, people are coming. But in the movies, it's like you get to see the other side of people coming here. I was yeah. like, yeah. I don't think people are coming. And so it was hmm. uh, it's quite difficult. Yeah, um, most definitely. For me, it was kind of 
we, we had shared the story about the helicopter yeah. because <laughs> it's a shared experience for us. But um, for me, it was super lucky because it, was, it would have been like 9 a.m. on a Saturday. Nobody's driving. Nobody's, you know, nobody, nobody's out there getting into car accidents or doing that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So I'm sure they had like the resources just... You know, sitting idle, right? And they're like, oh, we'll go pick this idiot up who <laughs> broke his back snowboarding. And, you know, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, luck of the draw, and that sort it, of thing, right? It totally is. Yeah. Totally so, is. So, most definitely. So, they, they pick you up. Yeah. You, said, you said there's a rope involved in your Yeah, lift. so they, right they actually, uh, like straight out of the movies when there's... They propel down. They put they put me on a stretcher. Yep. Um, and then they tied me to the basically the propelling rope, and the helicopter went up. Wow. So I wasn't even actually in the helicopter. I was suspended in the air below Whoa, the helicopter. Okay. Well, that's a that's a better a, story than mine for sure. <laughs> and there was a guy uh, that had rappelled down and was like holding the the stretcher with me, and he was like talking to me and stuff yeah. the whole time, and it was like. Yeah, literally, wow. like I was. Okay. Like I was in a movie. Oh my god! And okay. uh, <laughs> and then I went to. They took me to the to the parking lot, put me in an ambulance. Yeah. And they were gonna fly me back via helicopter, but there's sure. another guy that had uh, he was scuba diving, went up too fast and blew the pressure in his lungs. So oh, wow. he was going back to Edmonton, so they took us both back in the ambulance instead of me yeah. and him separately. So uh, good and bad. Um, we hit two potholes with my legs suspended uh, in the air, yeah. and they came crashing into the into the bed or the stretcher yeah. in the ambulance, which was painful to say the least. Pain, probably yeah, super <laughs> painful, especially when your leg is your bones actually sticking out of your leg. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask like how mangled was it as to, to, so, for lack of a better word? Yeah, my my bone was sticking out. I didn't actually look and see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like what a what a mess I was in, and hmm. so we we go back. They could only give me ten bouts of morphine, okay. and they could only give it to me every fifteen minutes. So I basically did the math and was like, I'm gonna have about forty five minutes where I Nothing. won't have no access to anything. Whatsoever. Yeah. So I tried to as best as I could. I tried to budget. Mm-hmm. It was like ten shots, but it would be like as soon as the fifteen minutes was up, I was like. Yeah, like yeah. hit me up. And hit me with the button. So I always tell the story about the button in the hospital because people don't realize they actually give you a button, I'm, and I'm sure you did too, um, where they, so you don't overdose on the, the painkillers they're giving you. Um, and for me, they started with morphine, but for yeah. me, it doesn't really do much. For me, I just got like, it would, it would get me super sweaty. I would fall asleep. Okay. I'd feel like I was asleep for four hours. Yeah. I would look at the clock when I woke up. It was nowhere to rely. Maybe 10, 15 minutes later. Yeah. Then you hit the button, you do it all over again. I felt like this, like, this junkie. <laughs> oh. So I, they, they debated doing the button. Yeah. I actually didn't get it, but what I got was, uh, I would get four, four cc's. I was getting dilated. So yeah, I did that too. You got, yeah. yeah. I got that too. Then that what didn't work. So they put me on oh. like, they put me on a mix of, um, well, actually, how I tell the story was um, they put me on whatever they put me on on the helicopter ride. And mm-hmm. I later found out it to be a mix of ketamine and fentanyl. 
this is and yeah, this is <laughs> this was before the whole fentanyl yeah. overdose stuff was going on. Mm -hmm. So you'd never have heard of it before, right? Yeah. And I was like, uh, that was the only thing that worked, guys. Like nothing else is working. So I had to talk to my nurses and be like, uh, can you do that? And so they actually called Stars or Ambulance. Like, what did you put them on? Because it actually worked. And they're like, oh, yeah. well, we put them on this um, <laughs> for people that are essentially like on their way out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, all right, well, I guess that's what uh, what works. So we'll do that. And when I got because they had given me so much morphine, that was my first. Uh, they gave me ketamine. Right. And you know what? It. I always wonder if that's what really gave me the, the boost to, because during that time and actually hearing your story, it mm. really reinforces that idea of, like I'm able to truly disassociate myself with that experience. So mm. if I think about my cliff jump and really think about it, I can visualize it, I can see every moment, I can relive it, yep. and it's, it's difficult. Yeah. But when I think about it just casually and even as I tell this story I don't actually really think about it as me hmm. so I feel like I'm just somebody sort of telling else. a story it's somebody, somebody else. else okay and I wonder if uh, because of the timing of when I got it and that would make a lot of sense because because we got ketamine we were able to dissociate <laughs> ourselves from our traumatic event interesting and you can just sort of let go of I've never, actually, I know, never thought of it that way before, but that's actually super interesting because yeah. it does like it takes you out of your body almost. It takes you out. I felt like I was floating above myself. 100%. Watching, watching myself somebody going else. On, watching somebody else. Having a, the, the best time of my life. Yes. Like I was having a party watching myself, yep. literally floating above my body. It's a real thing. Yeah. 100%. And uh, <laughs> I always tell the story because it was like, I got that experience, but I was also in a helicopter. So it was like, your head is like, yeah, you know, in some like vehicle suspended well, in the air, and you're also like, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, it's it, you can't really describe it to somebody who's never had the it's, experience. Yeah, but it's like it's completely yeah <laughs> out there. So that's why I, I I wonder if that's what that's what helped me to wow. to just turn it around because I don't I never got caught in my in the idea of what happens. So mm. I never I, I mean I was depressed and angry. Yeah. frustrated all that but it wasn't about breaking my legs it was about the situation after sure so when I think about breaking my legs it's like that, but that wasn't me yeah I didn't break my legs it was somebody else yeah it's very he, funny here I that. am yeah like yeah I know my body had my legs broken but it that wasn't me that broke my legs and yeah I know it sounds <laughs> no no for me crazy too, but for me too it's like <coughs> I would have to very I'd have to go very, very deep to actually go back and actually understand yeah. and relive what happened. But it's also, if I really go into it, I could actually relive it to the point where I actually almost feel. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's where you you can actually feel the. Um, for me, it was my leg shut off. Essentially, okay. I can actually feel that moment. And it was like, uh, it's like this, like, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? But this, like absolute thing I don't know so with my foot I lost just because of the damage my nerves are okay but yeah I can't bend my toes and stuff like that okay if I physically bend my toe I can remember what I need to do to bend my toe right 
as soon as I let go, I forget. And ah. it's like when I think about it in my head, bend my toe like you would your finger. Yep. I don't know where to send that message to. Right. I can't find my toe anymore. Interesting. So I always want that's and <clears throat> so when I look at a lot of the, these things, <clears throat> I wonder. Yeah, it, as somebody that was paralyzed, mm-hmm. what what that feeling? If if it's sort of the same idea and the same feeling, mm-hmm. and then from there it's like I, I just wonder how much them giving me the ketamine at the time of when they gave it to me yeah. helped. And we actually, when we were writing the book, we originally had wrote a chapter about ketamine and soldiers and PTSD. Wow. And it didn't actually make the final cut, but... Um, Might have to get the unabridged I know, yeah. I'll have to find <laughs> that chapter for you. Yeah. Because uh, it was just saying, like, the, the, the soldiers that got ketamine yeah. were better. And wow. the ones that didn't. So if they were in a, like, they're driving a tank, tank exploded. Sure. They were on fire. Yeah. The ones that got ketamine didn't suffer the same PTSD. I'm going to have to do some, like, some yeah. deep research now. So I, that's where I, and then hearing, yeah, that, that you got ketamine as well, it's like, hmm. it's not just at a rate. Yeah. <laughs> Having a party, it's a, <laughs> Save my life, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's... Uh... Yeah, I'm not just sitting at home on a Friday <laughs> and, no. Um, how they always say about paralysis or something is if you go like this with your hand and you, you fold the third finger under, third finger, yeah, and you try to lift your fourth finger, that's what it feels like. So, like, if you try to oh, lift that, yeah. it, there's, like, there's, like, a, like, you can, you, you know what you're trying to do, but you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And... There's a bunch of like um, quadriplegics that I've told it as that way, and it's a very good way of imagining it because it's like I can kind of move it, but I, I yeah, you, you can, yeah, you can it's very it. frustrating too because you're like, oh, I, I know what I need to do, but I can't yeah. do it, right? So, um, yeah, for me, I mean, also very lucky too because I was an incomplete injury, and yeah. those are a total wild card as to oh. what happens, right? So, um same scenario it's like the luck of the draw type of thing luck of the draw and yeah being healthy yeah enough that your body can really absorb some of the impact yeah yeah we were talking about that too the the fitness like the level of fitness that you and i both went into these injuries with were yeah i mean you were a essentially a professional hockey player right yeah and i had been like really focused on uh bodybuilding going into it and just the ability to have that, you know, like the the musculature and knowing how to use it properly. Yeah. I don't know. I think it saved. For me, I can definitely say it saved me, but yeah. I'm sure for you too. Mm-hmm. So no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did it take you to? Um, how do I want to word this? I mm-hmm. guess not get better because yeah you know it's still for you i'm sure it's still a constant battle right it's an everyday process um but um so you went through four surgeries i want to say i well i went through officially five but okay i went under the knife four times okay i had two in one yeah um so you went under under the uh the general anesthetic four times four times gotcha Yeah. yeah um which i hate that's the worst thing ever in the entire world is that. <laughs> my first surgery 
it, it actually took me months and months to figure this out after. Okay. I thought I died and went to hell. Wow. I woke up during a surgery. No. Where everything was white. <laughs> oh. I could hear the people talking. Okay. Like I felt like I was actually, I, I shouldn't say I went to hell, I, I felt like I was in limbo. Because everything was white, wow. but I felt this intense pressure. And hmm. this pressure was all-consuming. Wow. And I could hear people talking, and at one point it felt like I got turned up on my side and moved. Hmm. Felt like it was an eternity. It was probably like 10 to 20 minutes. Okay. And finally, I, when I was going, I think either for another surgery or I was talking to my dad or something, I said, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. So when I went for my next surgery, I talked to the anesthesiologist and I said, I think I woke up. So we looked at my ECG. Yeah. At the very start, I had a spike. Yeah. And at the very end, I had a spike. Hmm. Meaning, at, on some level, I probably did wake up either at the very start or the very end. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's common. I guess it's like one in four or something like that. Wow. People actually experience things like So I was like, okay, so it's... But it wasn't during the surgery, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just said, we'll make sure we, we pay attention to that and we keep you completely out. Sure, yeah. Because I just said, I'm like, it was... That was excruciating. Like I. Oh yeah. No. And. Um. So yeah. So it's like. <laughs> not not my favorite thing in the world to do, but no. Well, I mean, just the. I, that's never happened to me. So I've only <laughs> I've only been through two like general anesthetics. Once to get the, uh, the the bars into the back, and yeah. once to get them out. Sure. Um. No, I was pretty lucky with that. But but even just the like the the your mind's racing before you go in, right? Because you're just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's a shitty experience for sure, right? And, I mean, everything's great after they put you under and stuff, but the moments leading up to that, at least for me, is like it's this, this anxious moment in your... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say before I was like starting to get to be sort of where I am today, mm-hmm. it was probably about... Five years. Five years. Okay. So once I had my, I, I started to get better after about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to get a little more function back. I started to to be able to do some other things. Yeah. Um, but once I had my ankle fused, it took away so much pain hmm. that I had chronically. So every day. Yeah. Um, I could just do whatever I wanted to do and even to the point where I could kind of run and do some of those things and I'm not the prettiest runner but <laughs> I can still do it versus yeah. not being able to so yeah um, yeah it's it's uh, so after all the surgeries after probably. all the surgeries okay gotcha and I mean I had I had wins along the way yeah I when I I mean taking my first steps after seven months was uh, pretty inspiring and uplifting yeah. and I would say at that point I'd recovered hmm. and then it was like you know putting my skates back on and even though I couldn't really skate yeah. just going out there it was, that was like, the okay. next level yeah. yeah so as I sort of made my way through I would say I had little like little victories but before I was probably a, a hundred 
a hundred percent of what I'll be. Yeah. It was probably a good five five years or just just over five years. Gotcha. Yeah, most definitely. Those little victories are tremendous, hey? Like oh. <laughs> the the I don't know, for for me it was probably, you know, taking the first step type of thing, mm-hmm. right? But there's hundreds of them along the way in a recovery and you I've I've never been a goal setter up until that moment, but it was kind of like Yeah. I guess I'll I guess I'll like, you know, like my next goal is to take three steps before being completely dead tired or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then it's four tomorrow and Yeah. But it's I don't know, it's a, it, it's this tremendous victory when you do reach that. Yeah. And it's hilarious because it's like something that you never even thought about before. Setting a goal of taking two steps in a day is Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. But yeah. it's, it's it's like this it's, it's this thing that you you know, you take for absolute granted. Oh. <laughs> How can you not, you know? How can right. you not? Yeah. And then then it becomes oh, well. When when I took my first steps I was living at home and I told my dad, I'm like, I got something I want to show you. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'd practice, literally practice with my walker in front of me so I didn't fall over. And <laughs> I wouldn't even say what I was doing was walking, but yeah. Um, he kind of goes, okay. And I was like, just like, I just want to grab you a drink. And I literally <laughs> like, <laughs> went and got, I don't even know, a glass of water or something. And I walked over with just a glass of water and I was like here you go yeah and he was just I remember like he I mean the smile on his face and like he was <laughs> he was almost in tears and it was like yeah such a, a miraculous moment realizing that okay I'm gonna be able to walk at least yeah on some level and yeah to some degree yeah yeah and then I I found sketcher shoes because okay. they were rockered at the time okay so I put them on and that would act as my ankle, so I didn't have to use my ankle. Okay. Put me up higher. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, I was wobbly, mm. but I could walk almost heel to toe. Gotcha. Whereas at the time, like I, my gait was so messed up because my ankle was so damaged. I almost walked like the penguin from uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah from Batman series and. <laughs> And yeah, it, it like just like those little victories. So when I finally got to a point where I didn't really need any other supports, yeah. And I knew I wouldn't. I mean, outside of just being tired and needing like a cane or something, or yeah. If, I mean, if I go through the airport, I take a cane because mm. standing on that concrete is just the worst thing in the world. I feel you, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we're like two 80-year-old dudes talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our bodies at least. And <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, yeah, like it's those things that I'm like, okay, but otherwise I would say, yeah, just my day-to-day, I'm not waking up in pain. Mm. I can kind of get through my day with, with minimal pain, right. minimal supports for pain. Sure. And that took a long time. And so that's why I would say about 
yeah, f- maybe five years and like three months. Yeah. Cause it was like just, I don't know exactly the, the day, but after I had my ankle fuse is about three months after. Yeah. And it, honestly, it, I had my surgery in June. Accident was in August. So it, it was almost about five months. Yeah. And like, or five years in a, a month to five years in like three months. Sure. Where I was like, yeah, like you I'm, felt like I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I haven't obviously had to have any other surgeries since and it's been great. Yeah. Cause it felt like every year I'm like, okay, I'm having surgery again, hmm. having surgery again. Yeah. A few years back, that was my new year's resolution is to no surgery to go a year without <laughs> surgery. Cause it's, yeah, it's taxing on the body. It's, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a similar story to that, like where you were showing your dad like what you could do. Yeah. Um, when I was in my hospital room at the Glen Rose, um, I'd like really been working in a rehab, and my parents had kind of you know been following everything. They, they were there every single day, of course, right? Yeah. But um, we're in our room, and I'm shutting down for the night. And I was like, "Hey, mom, look at this," and I <laughs> and, and, and I stood out of the wheelchair, and uh, that was something else. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, that was something else. The nurse comes running. She's like, "What are you doing? Don't do that!" And I was like, oh, "Don't do that!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, you "Isn't this what I'm supposed to be doing?" You know. So, yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, that was definitely something else. But uh, so you got back to playing full on stand up hockey. There's actually an article in I want to say it was Global about you getting back and playing senior triple A. Yeah, and. Uh, you're telling me a hilarious story <laughs> the other day about how you forgot that there was hitting. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm in my first game. We're playing uh, Lacombe, which is, at, I mean, they're the top team, at least in Alberta. Sure. They're, I think they won the Allen Cup last year. Yep. And, like, they're just, they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of U of A alumni goes to play there. Um, just just one second here. Yeah. Is that for everybody listening, that senior AAA is like, some of these guys are ex WHL, I mean, cult, NHL, collegiate. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say NHL. You're playing with Ryan Smith at one point, right? Yeah. So, so to play at that level again after everything you went through is that's that's <laughs> that's unbelievable, right? Yeah, like, a lot of determination uh, and and grit, hard work, and. Yeah, so I <laughs> maybe a little bit of a just I don't know uh, a drive to to not give up, but also uh, hmm. maybe maybe reach a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I <laughs> so we're playing this team, and like they're they're good. I like when I looked at the roster, like there's guys I played with in the Western League and against. Yeah. And I mean they've all yeah now had their pro careers or university careers and come back and they're just playing for fun and yep so this may be my second to third shift of the game and see the puck there and I've played a little bit of men's league at this point and like nothing too crazy but sure enough that it like I'm okay playing hockey at this yeah. point and yeah I come up the or I'm coming back in the the puck transition, so it's basically at the blue line, going back up the ice to the wards offensive zone. Yeah. So I pick up the puck, and I kind of squeak past some people that had kind of just like run into each other, and I'm going to like pinch myself up the boards, again forgetting that it's contact hockey, and 
here comes this guy, uh, Evans. I, I He played in Kootenai when I played in Medicine Hat, so like I knew he was a big hitter and like, a big guy and stuff, and a tough guy to play against. And lo and behold, he's coming straight at me, and I realize, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> not playing uh, non-contact hockey. <laughs> Absolutely leveled me. Um, I mean, I went in with the hit, so like he rocked me, but I, I got up and, and kept going. I wasn't mm. hurt or anything. But that was uh, basically my my first <laughs> moments in senior senior hockey, and I went to the bench shortly after the shift, and everyone's kind of looking at me and <laughs> asking, "Am I okay?" And like, "Do I need anything?" And <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, no, I just forgot that we were playing contact hockey." So, <laughs> so I didn't forget ever again because I didn't want uh, that experience. But yeah, it was yeah, it's pretty funny <laughs> it was, the way you had told it. Like the teammates' eyes just going bug-eyed oh. like super wide like what just happened <laughs> yeah they were one well, and ironically enough a, a guy right before that yeah on my team got hit pretty good and he left the game because oh. he got hurt oh no but where i i kind of laugh is like this guy's been playing contact hockey he came from i want to say nate and when the guy came to hit him he tried to stand up and take the hit ah. whereas like I was like, no, there's no way. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna just let myself go limp and yeah, and that was like he just. I mean, he kind of jarred his neck, whatever. He was fine, but yeah, yeah. It's just kind of funny how you. <laughs> it is kind of like riding a bike because you mm-hmm. don't really forget, but sometimes yeah. you just forget that they're gonna come and hit you. And <laughs> they're not taking it easy on you, man. No, no, they didn't. And <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm glad. I'm glad I got hit, just to sort of wake me up into the contact sport. I yep. wish my uh, at the time my girlfriend and all my friends weren't sitting right in front of me <laughs> when I picked myself up off the ice. And but they were they're all like looking and but uh, it's kind yeah. of like a it's a nice how do you do yeah. welcome back welcome right? back welcome back Mr. Block <laughs> yeah it was a that was my welcome back gift um, I think we won the game so I was you know I was even happy better. And even better that's awesome <laughs> so you are now a teacher because you were you were a teacher actually yeah. well when I had met you yeah. you were uh I, I want to say, I guess, a coach of the FX Hockey, Hockey Academy. Yeah. And now you're you're done with that. You're working with, you yeah. were saying grade four to eight, I want to say? Yeah, so I have grades four to eight. Yeah. Um, my program actually is four to seven, but uh, they're opening up a new program in January. So okay. I'll lose my one grade eight yeah. in January, but just yeah. so that he doesn't have to transition twice. Uh, they're leaving them with me, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called Personal Pathways, and it's a program for kids with anxiety, depression, ADD, and, and just other things that where they had struggles in the traditional classroom. Right. So we focus a lot on relationship building, uh, social skill building, mm-hmm. and and then we're a numeracy and literacy program. Yeah. So focusing on just some of those basics, and then some of the other stuff. Uh, so they still do get their science curriculum, their social curriculum, and so on. Sure. Uh, it's just done in a more roundabout way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the great part about it is we get to be physically active. So right. if kids ever need a break, um, they can just, I mean, we have 
bikes in the classroom for them to ride. We have mm-hmm. these little like desk cycles that are uh, coolest things in the world for for kids that just have extra energy and yeah. And we uh, we we build the day with breaks built in, so hmm. it's sort of like structure break, structure break, and so they're hopefully never getting too bored of an idea. But sure. I mean, just like any teaching job with elementary age kids yeah you got to be adaptable and sometimes we'll just sit there and work because they're engaged and sometimes yeah our our structured work block that should be 20 minutes or 30 yeah. minutes is five yeah <laughs> yeah and uh oh time to go run around <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> when they're sitting there vibrating in their chairs and you're like yeah. okay i'm yeah. not gonna be able to teach anything at the moment let's yeah. everyone stand up okay let's go for a quick little run <laughs> um we're in uh, we're in Rogers Place, okay. officially the downtown community arena. But I right. mean, people are like, "Where?" <laughs> so I just yeah, uh, I was gonna ask you that because you were like, "We're in Rogers Place." I was like, "Yeah, what?" <laughs> so if you've if you've seen the community ring, yeah, we have the we're in the tournament room up top. Gotcha. So that's our classroom, which is pretty cool classroom. Uh, no, get to don't. watch the Oilers. Yeah, actually, last year got to see Vegas and San Jose a couple times. And wow. And then the Oil Kings, Grand McEwen, yeah, and all that's the other like teams. The, pr- the practice rink or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So nice. a lot of times the Oil Kings practice there. They don't often practice on the main rink. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers practice there before they are leaving because if there's concerts and stuff, the main rink gets Taken shut down. down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Grant McEwen's there, so we see them every day almost. Nice. Um, both the, the the boys and the girls teams. Yep. And then, uh, I mean, <laughs> there's the Canscape program and a whole bunch of other programs that go through there. So it's it's quite yeah. a busy place. Interesting. Um, but we kind of get the the run of the land there. We get to move around the arena. So we 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 do a lot of stuff outside of the actual classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got just like a saucer king set up <laughs> and like mini sticks the kids love and, and just yeah. some other tools like that that's so to, cool to give them other options just to be active because we don't have a formal gym when did the program begin uh, i think the pathways program now is four years this will be okay. the fourth year um this is a third year for my site yeah and it's my second year there so nice um they opened up yeah three years ago and so i'm sort of inventing as much as the first guy that was there um Helped me out and gave me so much information. Yeah. Um, but as the program changes and we're molding it, it's it's cool because I get to really create this mm. this program, at least at my site and, right. and how it works and so on. Busy trying to figure stuff out, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's that's awesome. It's a little different than the traditional classroom. Right. Um, different hours. Kids get door to door service, which is pretty pretty cool. Mm. Um, and uh, it just, yeah, it just it gives these kids an opportunity to have success. Um, I've seen so many wonderful things from kids from the start of last year to the end. Uh, the growth that I saw in some of these kids with high anxiety, uh, just simply even being able to put their hand up in a group of 12 yeah. and respond out loud. Hmm. That wouldn't happen. And I think it was the second last day, one of the grade fours, actually put his hand up and, and called out and, and gave his answer and I, I 
I mean, I turned around and was facing the board, but <laughs> try not to make a big deal out of it. But yeah. it was a huge deal because, yeah. like, that was the first time he did it in wow. in the year, mm. and I think it was yeah the second last or third last day of, of school. So yeah, um, seeing seeing some of those moments of growth is is incredible. And, and yeah, so next year or this year coming up, it's cool because I've got a lot of the same guys. So I'm hoping to see even more growth and mm. hoping that they. Just feel comfortable with me and, and trust me already, so I don't have to build that relationship up as much as I did. Yeah. Because even for some, it took till we had one one guy basically took till about February or so before he would hmm. eat. Wow. In at school. Wow. So he just, uh, I mean, he would like eat here and there, but till he was eating consistently, it was probably about February. So. Yeah. It's uh, and even there again, like it's a huge, huge like sign of growth and and uh, I, I mean just his success changed when he started eating. But yeah, he just didn't feel safe. Yeah, and uh, didn't feel okay to do that. So so yeah, it's a pretty cool program. I, yeah. I'm excited to to be back there and a little bit more fulfilling than high school, hey? Uh, <laughs> different than high school. <laughs> different than that's high a good school. way of putting it yeah because yeah. um, in high school like I, especially I think three years ago I went back to FX and I taught bio and yeah. science and um, cool because I was with like for example one girl in grade 12 that was like I mean her average I want to say was like 96 97 hmm. like just a basically a genius yeah could do absolutely anything she wanted yeah and uh we would call that a stud in the <laughs> hockey world yeah <laughs> an absolute stud in the in the classroom and, yeah and so every time i would have extra help blocks or anytime i said you know if you need support she was always there hmm. so working with her is, is incredible because you're, you're working with somebody that's in all honesty probably a lot smarter than me and so it, it's it's great for me because I get to just like be around this this genius and yeah and uh and just share some insights and have some in-depth conversations about mm. the world that I'm not having with my guys now and that's so cool uh, just on a different level so that's where I say it's uh De- like different it's different because sure. yeah. yeah to to spend time with her and to I mean even to suggest that I had an influence on her is it, like that's pretty cool for me so um yeah it's it's different but yeah these guys these guys are pretty special like it's it's fun going to work um, yeah and really you get to the, the thing that's nice with these guys you get to see the impact you have mm-hmm. whereas just a water please actually yeah water please thank you you get to you get to see the impact daily right whereas in high school you just like she's a special case, but with the rest, like you see impact. Yeah. But there, it's a smaller progression, and you are just providing a lot more information as opposed to right, like life skills. Where yeah. you see a kid go over to somebody and say please and thank you. That's you know never said please and thank you. Sure. Like, okay. It's yeah. Or it then you have somebody like me in your class, and you're just <laughs> like, oh, this guy. This guy's hopeless. <laughs> nope. We're hopeless. Uh, differently able, I think. In the oh, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Thank you for just, being... Just like, uh, 
just like we, we are with our bodies. We're all differently able. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you just got back from a trip of the lifetime. Yeah. You, you climbed Machu Picchu. Yeah. In Peru. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How was that with everything? Ah, uh, incredible. Like, yeah. uh, so I went, uh, I went on, thank you. Thanks. On a trek mm-hmm. in Peru called the Salcante <clears throat> Trek. Um, the, the official trek is the Inca Trail. Okay. Uh, the Inca Trail you're booking right now into December. Oh, wow. If you want to do it. Okay. Um, they only allow 200 guests. And really? 300 guides. Hmm. So they only allow 500 people. Um, Machu Picchu is an incredible place, but because it's so popular, um, they are really, like, even when you go there, they have a time you're allowed to go in. Right. And you, you have a time that you're supposed to leave, whether, I mean, like, we didn't really leave at our time that we were supposed to, but mm-hmm. because so many people are going everyone's when you're going like you're you're on this trek for three four five up to seven eight days depending on which trek you pick you need to pack supplies Hmm. and there's i mean different levels of it where you can go from like you're packing all your food and everything yeah to uh the one i did i was carrying my backpack with my day supplies and then I actually was lucky. I got to give five kilos to a horse, including my sleeping bag. <laughs> so I, I gave five or to a donkey. No, was it a horse? Yeah, we had. So I gave five kilos to a horse. But there's 17 people in my group. Yeah. So I mean, really, it's whatever 80, 85 kilos yeah. that these horses are carrying on top of what I'm carrying in my bag. Right. And so it's just a lot of wear and tear on the treks. Yeah. So that's why they started to. Limit, limit people coming um, in. But yeah, I did the Salkantay trek in four days and three nights. Yep. So there's a five days, four nights, and that might actually have been a little better because you actually do a little less walking on the last couple days. Okay. But I. You were saying it was about 70 kilometers? Yeah, it was around probably about 70 kilometers in total with Machu Picchu. Okay. Um, the trek itself mm-hmm. is, I think, I want to say like 55 to 60. Yep. Um, with an option of, there's another trek you can do. And it's the, the tricky part is like one of the, I walked to this lake, it was like maybe an hour, hour and 15 hike up. Sure. Um, it's just the altitude. Right. So you're walking at such a high altitude and you're going up a steep hill that it takes you an hour, but it's like 300 meters. So it's, it's, it's hard to actually figure out sometimes how right. far you're going, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so I, I, I mean, the first day was I think eight to eight to ten or eight to twelve kilometers, and then it was like twenty three, twenty five, and then like Machu Picchu. I actually I was so exhausted um, when I actually got to the town leading to Machu Picchu. Um, <laughs> I took my shoes off. I had like massive blisters all over my feet and everything. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was so exhausted, I just started puking. Oh, no. And so the next day, I was pretty beat up, and I decided I was going to uh, take the bus up. So I actually didn't go up the last little stairs, which I think it's like 2,000 steps up, and it's about an hour up. Okay. And I really wanted to, but, like, 
I had to take an honest look at <laughs> where I was at, and I was like, I just yeah trekked in about I don't know 60 65 k, and then yeah. when you're in Machu Picchu, you're walking for another anywhere from five to ten k's, depending on what you do, what you have access to, and right. So, um, I mean, I'm so grateful that I was able to trek in. Um, it was such a ex- cool experience. Uh, stayed. We went, so you go to the Salkante Mountain, which is why it's called the Salkante Trek. So you walk up to this mountain, and then you kind of start walking down. And once you walk down, you walk into a rainforest. Oh, wow. And then you're sort of on, like, the outskirts of, like, the jungle. And, yeah. And you walk from there all the way through. And, um, and then, yeah, once you get to Machu Picchu, you're, like, you've been trekking for four or five days, and you're, like, you're, like, I made it. And, yeah. And, uh it's I've seen pictures I they look at my pictures justice. they don't do it's, justice it's not even close wow it's uh, I mean what's cool about it is it's a giant fortress in the mountains but how they got these like massive boulders up there yeah. and then built these structures where they uh, did and yeah it's crazy it's crazy it's absolutely crazy yeah it's and there's a few spots you can walk up and you can see uh, sort of a, an aerial view of, of Machu Picchu and it's it's just an incredible structure in the sky and, and and what you don't see from the pictures that's beautiful is all the mountains around it so you're you, you have the mountain that you look at when you see Machu Picchu but when you look around there is literally mountains as far as the eye can see right. that are just surrounding you and and these mountains, I mean, <clears throat> I always thought, like, Canada had, you know, fairly big mountains. Sure, and yeah. South American mountains are, like, literally twice as high to yeah. three times higher. So Next level. I mean, mountains are, like, 6,000 meters, sure. 5,000 meters, and you're just... I would take pictures, and I would have to take, like, small panoramas to fit wow. mountains because they were so big I couldn't even take a picture and actually get all the mountains in some of the pictures so holy smokes <clears throat> pretty cool um i mean the the whole of south america for that i went to four countries the four places i went to ecuador peru bolivia and chile i mean they're all so different from each other yeah uh, totally different world chile was the most like i guess like a like a european city mm-hmm. or even a north american city like you have your amenities and paved roads and everything else was sort of like you're you're roughing it a bit um right stayed in a a salt hotel so a hotel made of salt where the the chairs were salt (laughs) the tables were salt um no water glasses though the water was salt (laughs) um yeah and it was yeah everything was salt like it was just crazy these big blocks of salt and they used a big block of salt and then instead of using like a grout to hold it, they used more salt in between. So it was just literally salt. That's crazy. And uh, yeah, it, like. But to be able to do that trek, I think it's what, 12 years later now? 12 years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like just before. Um, I mean, I never thought I would, you know, play stand up hockey again. I never thought I would. Yeah. Even last year, very close to the to the time I had my anniversary, 
I went on this uh, canyoneering trip and I the like canyoneering in, in the Philippines is like you go hike up these waterfalls and then you jump in the water mm. and then you find a cliff you jump and then you keep going on your trek and so I yeah. think I did like seven seven cliff jumps all from varying heights so you start oh, low and then you go up higher and higher and the last one was I want to say 50 feet or like 17 meters or something like that so okay. higher than where I broke my legs and yeah I, I got a video of it and uh, I mean I, when I posted it there I got some pretty interesting reactions but <laughs> you're doing um, that again yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what I don't uh, often tell people is actually from the highest jump when you land you, you actually hit the ground but it's like you're touching the ground so yeah. you're by the time you like actually the water hit, takes yeah the water yeah. takes every so you're just yeah. like you you push up from the ground you're not like crashing yeah. in but yeah I yeah sometimes don't tell people that because <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah just like looking at some of the things I've done like the trek I mean I was exhausted I, I needed probably two three days to rest after and, and yeah to be completely honest, it it changed my the whole rest of my trip almost hmm. because it was so exhausting doing the trek. But uh, I I trek to Machu Picchu, you know, and I can I'll always have that. I can I, the pictures I have are incredible, and yeah, the moments I shared and and uh, and it, again, it just came down to like the last three hours. It's basically straight. You're following the train tracks, and you're just walking from this. Uh, place hydroelectrica into Agus Calientes and mm. and uh, probably about an hour in my brain went from actually trekking and hiking to autopilot of one foot and then the next foot and then it was like left right left right and I I was so exhausted by that point and I was like I was determined and yeah. there really wasn't anywhere I could go anyways like I, yeah. I had to go forward and yeah and so I just uh I took it one step at a time, and by the time I got to the town, I was like in pretty rough shape. But like I say, it was it was totally worth it, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just puked my guts out, and, <laughs> and then I, I went and celebrated with uh, everyone else. And yeah, but you did it. I did it. You got it. You got yeah. it back, right? So yeah. yeah. So if there's, we'll probably wrap it up here because this is coming up on an hour and a half, but. Yeah. If there's some advice that you'd have to give to people that are going through tough situations like yeah. like what you went through, yeah, what would you say? Um, I'll give you an open-ended question, yeah, just like the sure. guys who are giving you the, yeah. the, the book. Yeah, uh, you know what? It, it it is always tricky. I think you have to find the positive in mm. whatever situation you're in, um, no matter how small it is, whether it's you know, picking up your phone and and sending a message to turning on a TV to, you know, going to the bathroom on your own for the first time. Yeah. Um, find find the small positives in in whatever challenge you're having because that negativity can suck you in. And, hmm. and uh, if you're not fortunate like us to get uh, some ketamine to help you, out. <laughs> um, ask for it. Ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, find find any positives you can because mm. I, I think that's for me. You know, my first steps were excruciatingly painful, but yeah. I didn't focus on that. I focused on the fact that I 
I took a step. Right. Um, even from when I had surgery, my very first one, they said, if things go well, we'll do uh, your skin graft as well. Otherwise, we're going to have to do it like the next day. Kind sure. Of thing. Yeah. And it went really well. It went better than expected. And I was able to do both in under the amount of time that they expected for the first one. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I came out, it's like that's a positive. And, and so I focused on that as much as I could. Yeah. Um, the small victories just every small victory no matter how small you think it is yeah uh, and like I say even if it's you know taking a bite of food and, and keeping it down because you're on maybe so many medications that you're sick all the time yeah that's a huge victory and, and celebrate that and and take that time to to appreciate those moments because when you add them all up and you look back you know two months three months six months later yeah um you're going to appreciate that. And one thing I did when I broke my legs uh, for about the first six months, because I knew I'd be able to walk after about six, seven months, and I wished away the time. And hmm. I was like, I can't wait till seven months later. I can't wait till six months later. And right. when I got to that time, I was like, well, now I'm here. Hmm. And I spent so much time just hoping, hoping that the time, that the time would, would yeah, yeah, and I'll never get that time back. Yeah. And, and so that's why I say, yeah, to focus on those positives. Because once I started to focus on those positives, I started to appreciate things. And I didn't wish away any more time. Yeah. Even when it was difficult, even when it was painful. Yeah. I think even the average person does that too, though. They're like, well, I have something to look forward to five months down the road. Yeah. So everything else is just, uh, I'll mail it in intent until then. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you could be making every single day, yeah. you know. Yeah, make it count. Exactly. 100%. Because you don't, you don't know when, and that's, for me, I didn't know when I went on my camping trip I was going to break my legs. I had no idea. I didn't expect that. Nope. And when I did, I realized how fragile time and, and my life is. And, yeah. and once I kind of got over the hump, I realized, like, I don't want to ever miss a moment like that. So even when I was uh, sick in Machu Picchu, I mean, I was, I was in rough shape. Yeah. But I was celebrating the fact that I had trekked there. Probably smiling between, <laughs> Smi smiling <yeah>. between puking. <laughs> Basically. Um, and uh, and then, it, like, yeah, it was, like, tr even walking around Machu Picchu, uh, I was I was banged up. Like, my feet were killing me. I could, sure. I was struggling to walk, but I, I didn't focus on that. I focused on the fact that I was standing in front of Machu Picchu, one of the most beautiful places I, I've ever seen. And yeah. And um, and now even when I think back on it, it's like, I don't remember my feet being sore. No. I remember what Machu Picchu looked like, though. Yeah. And uh, even on the treks when my feet were sore, like, I don't even remember that. I just remember having fun, listening to music, chatting with friends. and Definitely. So, yeah, focus on those positives. Find the positive. I mean, it, like I say, it's so cliche, but, you know, turn your lemons into lemonade because... Uh, <laughs> it, Life's too short to, to dwell on on the, the bad because at some point we're all going to face it. Yeah. We're going to face some adversity and yeah. so just deal with it, find a positive and, and move on. And yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I probably couldn't have said it <laughs> any better myself. So where can people find you on social media? Um, there's obviously yeah. Karen's wrote the book. 
the ups and downs of almost dying. Yeah. So. So yeah, you can uh, you can find the ups and downs of almost dying. Uh, I would say the easiest way it would be to Google that name, and then I think it's the second link, thebigcartel.com. That's our store. Okay. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just my name. I think Instagram's K. Bubs, like B-U-B-B-S-2-3. <laughs> um, Is that a nickname or something? It, it just so, uh, one of my one of my friends from uh, the sledge hockey team. Yeah, his name's Greg Westlake. So it was G Dubs. So okay. when we were hanging out, he's like. Like all his like sign in and everything for his PlayStation and yeah, like this is when like Twitter was like just coming out sure. and everything like Instagram and he was he was G Dubs on everything. Yeah. He was G Dubs twelve. So I'm like I'm gonna be K Bubs two three because that was my number and just like it was partially to like <laughs> make fun of him, make fun of him and like yeah. bug him. But I never had any problems with my username, so yeah. I never had to be like Kieran two three eight nine four. Yeah, so it always just. It always works. So I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm just going to leave this. And so that's, uh, yeah, the fun story behind that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, yeah, if, if people ever, if, even if you just want to reach out to, like, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to talk, to lend advice or, yeah. or just to lend a listening ear. I know sometimes we can feel alone and, uh, the world can seem scary when you've gone through something traumatic and yeah i mean you you reached out to me when everything yeah. happened to me and i'm super grateful for it yeah. because it was awesome to be able to talk to somebody that's also been through something and yeah i mean you're also an inspiration <laughs> when i was even in high school oh, man, thank and, you yeah watching you skate and still yeah. still snipe me on <laughs> <laughs> score the odd goal or two you know yeah yeah, yeah exactly so that's awesome man yeah. thank you so much for doing this yeah uh, thanks for having me on i think we can definitely do this again sometime. I think you and I, we could talk for hours oh, about all this I, stuff. I know. We have so, so many similarities in our yeah. stories and lives from the experience we've had. For sure we can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Great. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Invictus podcast. Just a couple notes on the end of the show. The Invictus Podcast is sponsored by the Sapien Athletica clothing company. Every single time that you purchase an article of clothing, be it a hat, a hoodie, a t-shirt, accessories, programs, anything, we donate to Stars or Ambulance so that people can have a second shot after traumatic injury. They're a part of my story, and I feel that they are very deserving of our help. You can connect with us on all social media channels. Instagram, we are at Sapien Athletica. Facebook, the same. And you can find this podcast on all of your podcasting platforms, be it Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Next week, we are back. So be sure to tune in. And thank you again very much for listening to this episode. And I can die when I'm done.